You're listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. A very happy Easter from all the team here at Arise Ministry. In our special Easter message today, Jesus, a living legacy, Philip Edwards will explain, a legacy is a gift left in a will. A legacy is also something handed down by a predecessor. Jesus not only left us something when he died, he rose from the dead to be the living legacy in our lives. And now, over to Philip Edwards. It's good to be with you on this special Christian weekend and to share something with you from God's Word. I want to speak first, though, before we come to the message, about what we call at Arise Academy a living legacy. It was 12 months ago our small team at Arise Ministry got together to discuss setting up a Bible school. Our idea was to teach from the Bible week by week. And we knew, though, that some of those who would join us, there would be a number who believed they were gifted themselves to teach. So we wanted to be able to uh, provide them with something to to equip them and to make it possible for them to to have the confidence to step out to learn how to teach the Word of God. In the second year, it's our plan to continue the weekly teaching for all those that want to just come and receive and, and learn more about the things of God but also to hold occasional classes to encourage and help teachers realise their full potential. We believe it's incumbent, really, upon all ministries to leave a legacy. When Jesus came, he came to leave a legacy. He was thinking very much of what he was going to leave behind. He would die, and through his death we would inherit eternal life, and that's what a legacy is. A legacy is what we inherit. But he did more than that. He rose from the dead and sent his Holy Spirit to come and to live on the inside of us. It is through the person of the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ, is made available to us. He is actually a living legacy dwelling in our hearts. It's wonderful to experience his sins forgiven, guilt removed, and a day-by-day living experience with God himself. And all of this was made possible through the death and the resurrection of Jesus on that first Easter. In my message to you today, I would like you to come with me, as it were, to the foot of the cross. We're going to stand and look and listen. Jesus made a number of, they weren't really long conversations, but simply brief remarks, but they're very poignant, powerful things that he said. 
even while he was suffering so much on the cross. As we stand and look at him and listen to what he has to say, we look upon a perfect man. His ordeal lasted six agonizing hours. And in those six hours, we find him engaged in seven brief conversations. Isn't that interesting? It was seven, as though it was the perfect number of conversations that he would have while hanging on the cross. We shall listen to what he has to say and we'll take careful note of who he is speaking to. Jesus then, perfect in his life and perfect in his death. Let's look at the first conversation. The first conversation he has is to his father, but it involves the enemies that are around him, those that had gathered to kill him, as it were. Dragged through the streets at nine o'clock, he is nailed to the cross. As the soldiers drive nails into his hands and his feet, we can somewhat imagine, just imagine the pain. Then we see the soldiers sitting at the foot of the cross and he has a seamless garment, so they don't want to break his clothes up. They can't, it's one piece. So they decide to cast lots to see who would win this seamless garment. We know that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years previously. Also, while that is going on, he, he hears the rulers sneering at him, those mocking and laughing, soldiers mocking their banter, saying cruel, cruel things. Jesus, though, he's offered some wine, drugs, drug probably, that would have just dulled his senses and made it a little bit more bearable. But he refuses the wine. He wants to do what he's going to do with a full conscience. He wants his mind to be as sharp as it possibly can be, because he's still, he's still working on our behalf. He has this last mission to complete. Here is where we hear his first exclamation. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus then, perfect in his forgiveness. Some while later, with the criminals either side of him, and the, the crowd's insults somewhat dying away, because there's nothing more for them to see. They've seen the nailing and the lifting up of the cross. Now he will, with the criminals, simply hang there for hours through the day. Nothing much will happen. But of course at dusk, 
they'll come back maybe after they finish their their day's work or whatever it is they've been doing and they'll know the, these criminals they will deal with them break their legs or or take them down somehow it'll finish and, and they'll be back to see that so the voices of all quiet but satan is there and he inspires one of the criminals to continue with the insults he says aren't you the christ save us save yourself save us if if you're are who you say you are but in the heart of the other criminal the Holy Spirit does a wonderful thing he reveals to him that Christ is the Messiah was it a completely new revelation had he listened to Jesus before had he seen him had he been brought up with more respect for God? He turns to Jesus and maybe just it, it just came out of his mouth. He didn't really think about what he was saying, but he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Then Jesus responds. He, he says, I tell you the truth. You know that expression, I tell you the truth. I've learned to love that expression over the years. It's repeated in the Gospels no less than 80 times. I tell you the truth. It means listen carefully because what I'm about to say is of vital importance and you're not going to believe it. So he says to the criminal who has said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. His response is, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. We can only imagine the effect that that had on that criminal hanging on the cross. I know that the words of Jesus have spirit and life in them and I think they they struck the heart of this man with power and conviction. Criminal, he's saying, your faith, your faith, this last minute just just mustard seed of faith this last minute piece of faith has saved you for eternity Jesus then perfect in his proclamation of the gospel truth the morning moves on maybe there was one or two taunts but nothing seriously he speaks next to his mother and his friends. It's nearly midday. He turns to his mother. He looks at her. She is standing close by John, the one whom is described 
as the beloved disciple, the beloved apostle, very close to Jesus. She is standing next to John. His aunt is there as well, Mary's sister, and there are other friends, women. His thoughts are for his mother, that she should be looked after, that she should be cared for. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Jesus can't stop loving and thinking of others. You would have thought at that moment of his life, his concentration would have been so much on himself. But no. The very essence of God, because it's God who's hanging on that cross, is to love. To love and to care for people. Looking lovingly at her, he says, this is his third brief conversation, dear woman, dear woman, here is your son. And to John he says, here is your mother. Take care of each other, is what he's saying. Jesus, Jesus then, perfect in his demonstrating of love. For the next three hours, that's 12 midday to, to about three in the afternoon, nothing is said, nothing is recorded as said. But it does tell us that darkness came over the whole land. In the mind of Christ, no words are spoken, but Satan is taunting him. The struggle is within his mind. Very similar to when Satan came before, remember, in great force after his baptism, when he was led into the wilderness and he fasted for those 40 days, it said Satan came to him and applied pressure to cause him to break to yield. In the wilderness, Jesus knew the strength of his father's support. But here, that's not, that's not present this time. He's alone. He has a sense that his father is not there that his father could not look upon this scene. Our sins, your sins and my sins, were being credited to Jesus. They, they were being taken from us and put onto Christ's account. So there were no sins credited to us anymore. He said, give me, give me the sins of the whole world. Somehow, our sinfulness, that which causes us to sin, was entered, entering into him. Christ never sinned. But something that drives us to sin, he took upon himself. It says that he became sin for us, that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No angels would minister 
to him here as they did in the wilderness. The word of God says he could have called thousands of angels to assist him, but no, he must stand his ground alone, and alone he must overcome for us. At the end of these three long hours then, with this taunting battle, this taking of our sin, at the end of those hours, he cries out his fourth conversation. He's crying out to his father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is a cry in the anguish of battle. He cries as he comes to the end of that ordeal where he had been victorious, just as he was in the wilderness. He never submitted. He knew the will of his father and he walked in the will of his father and he knew that he would finish, finish victorious. So after three hours, the devil had to back away. They heard him. One or two that were just standing around, they heard him, but his voice was, it was perhaps quite weak. Those who heard him said, what's he saying? One man suggested, he's calling for Elijah. Some wanted to help him. Some said, no, no, leave, leave him. If he says who he says he is, he doesn't need our help. Jesus then, perfect in overcoming Satan. The next conversation that he has, he has with us. When I say us, I mean humanity. He, he identifies himself with humanity. He knows that he's won. He knows that after those three hours, he has defeated Satan. The dark hours, as it were, they've passed and sunlight is breaking through again. It became so dark, remember, and there was, there was splitting of, of the earth and there was thunder and there was awful things that were happening in those hours. But now the sunshine has broken through the darkness again. It says in Scripture, later it says, knowing that all was now completed. You see, as he, as he hung there, he knew that it was all completed. What was completed? See, Satan had come and done something terrible to Adam, bound him, made him subject to him, made humanity subject to Satan, because Jesus on the cross, in his victory, undid all that 
so man would no longer be subject to Satan. He was now free. Man was liberated. Those that would put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ would never be shackled again by the enemy. They would be free, just like the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they walked through the Red Sea. They walked into liberty and freedom. It was a type, it was a picture of what was going to happen on this afternoon. A freedom and a liberty, not simply for just a nation of people, but for the whole world, the whole of humanity. Jesus then was turning now to humanity. He had done this for humanity and he was now showing us that he was part of humanity all God yes but all man at the same time and he was very human because he said next I'm thirsty I'm thirsty now the work is finished I can take a drink from you I can receive a quenching of my thirst he had won the victory alone he had not taken anything with drugs in it he was fully conscious and full of aware because he knew he had to take Satan on and he defeated him. The greatest single victory in the history of mankind had been won on that afternoon. Jesus then, perfect in identification with humanity. I said there were seven conversations that was the fifth, so we have two more important, well, just, just brief words, really, that Jesus said. Next, he speaks to the church. He speaks to people who are proud to be members of the church of Jesus Christ. Are you proud to be a member of the church of Christ? He speaks then to us. The victory is won. His natural thirst is quenched. So he turns now to us, to those who have put their faith and trust in him. He turns to the church and he makes a declaration. He says to us, It is finished. We now can receive him, receive his power in our lives. We can now live in the way that God always expected his creation to live. He says, it's all possible now. It's all possible now. The son, the son has completed his part. It would only remain for his father to do his part which was to 
raise him from the dead. Jesus then, perfect in his provision for us. Finally, he speaks again to his father. Remember, I said the first conversation was to forgive those. That was to his father. And he finishes with another brief few words to his father. My work is finished, he thinks. I'm coming home. I came to do something and now I'm returning to my father. And so he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, perfect in his sonship. We must never take our eyes off Jesus. See, we all met him at the foot of the cross. That's where it all started for every one of us. We gazed upon Jesus hanging on the cross. And there we were told, it's because of this, your sins can be forgiven and you can be a child of God. Today, Jesus isn't hanging on the cross. He is he's risen and glorified. But can I encourage you to keep looking to Jesus? Keep looking to the one who started it all off. Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes upon him, the one who is the author of all this and the one who will bring it to completion. Keep your eyes fixed on him day by day by day. Thank you for uh, sharing your part of your Easter with me and uh, I pray that this message will bless you and encourage you and inspire you. See you all again soon, back at the college. God bless. You've been listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's special Easter message. And once again, from the team at Arise Ministry, we would like to wish you all a very happy Easter. Arise Ministry, a living legacy.